Hi, everyone. How exciting. I'm speaking. Ah. <laughs> good morning. It's really good to be with you this morning, and I've got a great topic. We are continuing our Choose Joy series this morning, thinking about joyful peace. In a world where there is a lot to worry about, how can we experience God's peace that transcends all understanding? But firstly, what does peace mean to you? Maybe it's the idea of a quiet or tranquil space being free from disturbance. Maybe it's harmony in relationships. Maybe peace feels like something in the future to just get hold of, if life can just get back to normal, or if you can make it through that next deadline, or just get to the next weekend. I love a peaceful moment. Who doesn't? <laughs> if you're a parent of young children, you'll particularly value those uninterrupted times by yourself or with your partner. And before the pandemic, Rob and I thought that we would plan a peaceful getaway day. And we were given vouchers to Bath Thermae Spa. And the kids were looked after for the day by their grandparents. And we had this opportunity to go off. So we got on the train. We got there. Now, this day didn't go entirely to plan. <laughs> it took about an hour just to queue, just to show our vouchers and get in. So our peace was already slightly dwindling. But then we got to the locker room and we thought, right, let's make the most of this. What have we got to do? You know, when you get somewhere, you've got a couple of hours, you want to suss out what you can go and enjoy, don't you? So we thought we, the thing we most wanted to do is get down to this pool. Um, doesn't it look beautifully serene? That's where we were headed. We did that really quickly because we thought, we'll come back here. We want to check out everything else. So we went upstairs. We found the steam room. We thought, we'll start in the steam room. You open the big glass door, don't you? I've not been to many of these places, but it's very, well, steamy. So you can't see. So you want to open that door, and then you want to check that you're not going to go and sit too close to anyone else because you don't want that, do you? <laughs> so just as we sat down in these tiled warm seats, began to relax, the fire alarm went off. The fire alarm went off very loudly. There was no denying that we had to get up and get out of the building along with everyone else. And um, we were there. It was October, and it was very chilly. And uh, people were taking photos of us. <laughs> I fear we are on someone's Insta feed somewhere looking less than peaceful. But yeah, that was us that day. And when we went back inside, uh, the fire alarm went off a further five times. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> Our peaceful moment was so interrupted. Now, I know that this story is only about mere inconvenience. But the kind of peace the world offers is so often short-lived. We're so up and down in life, aren't we? Worldly peace is temporary, and it's dependent on our circumstances. Sometimes things are going swimmingly, like in the pool. Other times life gets interrupted, and we're left feeling lost, unprepared, and really anxious. How can we know peace all the time? When we face change, when we suffer heartache, when we experience pain and injustice, how do we know the peace of God then? What is it that you're struggling with today? What do you need the peace of God? What situation do you need the peace of God to come into today? Let the scriptures today encourage and equip you. Paul experienced a permanently available God-source peace in the middle of struggle, and he wrote specific instructions for us to know that peace too. If you've been following Philippians with us so far, you'll know that the passage that we're reading today is from a letter that Paul wrote while stuck in a prison cell. Yet he was so full of joy as he encouraged his friends in church to practice living in the peace of Jesus. This encourages me because these aren't hollow words. 
uh, you know, said by someone living a cosy life. These were words that were lived out by someone in really tough circumstances. Our verses today are from Philippians 4. Uh, yeah, Philippians 4, verses 1 to 9. And um, we'll read those now. But yeah. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. And in this way, dear friends, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche, don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, to be, <laughs> to be the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious in anything, but with every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy or excellent, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Notice the love that Paul has for his brothers and sisters in the church. Those who he, he longs for and loves. He, he says, you know, my joy and crown, dear friends. Paul's motivated by love when he writes these things. We can take hold of this teaching and the confidence that it was intended for our deepest well-being. There's three things that I want to highlight from verses 4 to 7, which Paul says to practice so that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the first thing, rejoice always. <laughs> Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, or say it again, rejoice. Rejoicing means to celebrate to cheer or exult. It means be joyful. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We can do that. But is it easy? There's a word in there which makes it a whole lot trickier. That word, always. What about when rejoicing does not feel like the natural response to our circumstances? Because it often isn't, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to rejoice when things are hard. The answer Paul gives is rejoice always, because rejoicing doesn't require a feeling, it requires a choice. Do you tend to focus on your circumstances alone, or do you shift your focus onto God? Something shifts in us when we choose to rejoice despite our circumstances. It's a powerful choice because it shifts our eyes off the situation that we're in onto our loving God who is still good, still worthy, still more than able. I've loved singing that song, Waymaker, this year, because it declares over our situations the truth of God's character. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Psalm 149, verse 6, says, Let the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Let's let the praise of God be in our mouths and a double-edged sword in our hands. Our praise is a powerful weapon against the enemy. It's powerful to praise God for who he is. Keep praising God and keep declaring his promises. 
And I just want to say here that rejoicing doesn't require us to deny or ignore our experience or our emotions. It's not about putting on happiness. It's healthy. We need to engage with our emotions. Name what you're going through, but then keep refocusing your eyes on the Father. We can authentically rejoice alongside our pain or sorrow because we aren't the source of our joy. Our circumstances aren't the source of our joy. The Lord is. And it's in him that we're celebrating. We can declare God's unchanging goodness even when we don't feel good. And the peace of God promises to be with us. This week, six months ago, we were in that run-up to Christmas week. We had a few days to go, and we just all found out that we've only got one day to do Christmas. One day to see everyone, do everything. We were disappointed, weren't we? So many plans got cancelled, postponed. And we received this Christmas card that I still remember. It was a great encouragement <laughs> at the time um, when we were disappointed. I remember it because it was so unusual. There were no pictures of a nativity or snowmen or wise men. There was a picture on the front of the coronavirus. Yippee. It was all glistening and looking a bit like Christmas decorations. Um, but it was the words that were written over the top that were so significant. It said, despite COVID-19, joy in the Lord. And that card was a biblical reminder of the, true joy, of the truth that true joy is found in the Lord and not in our circumstances. And in the middle of that card was a scripture from Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Habakkuk chose to remember God's faithfulness and rejoice in God despite such loss. Our joyfulness is not defined by the world. Our joyfulness is defined by Jesus. Joy runs deeper than our challenges because Jesus is the source of it and he's overcome every battle, including death. If you're in Christ, you've got full access to joy. Will you practice rejoicing today, whatever your circumstances? Because rejoicing is a practice that invites God's peace. And the second point Paul says here is show gentleness. What's gentleness got to do with all of this? Sandwiched here between choose to rejoice and choose to pray and give thanks and everything, we've got this verse that says, verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Why gentleness? Well, living joy-filled lives is not just for our benefit it's for the benefit of others too. Our attitude, speech, and actions affect everyone around us, don't they? Think about how you tend to act when you're anxious. What tends to be your first response when things get tricky? Is it gentle words or a harsh reaction? I am not good company when I'm living out of an anxious state of mind. When I'm stewing over a situation that's really bothering me and I haven't taken it to the Lord yet, it's not pretty. It's not good to be around me when I'm like this. <laughs> I'm prone to sharp words and rash decisions, and I'm more than likely to try and tackle things in my own strength and not God's. It affects those around me. However, when I choose to trust God with my situation and practice rejoicing, then my capacity for gentleness grows. 
gentle words and actions allow people to feel safe, don't they? And, and to be themselves. They pave a way for healthy communities and relationships. Gentleness promotes peace because it demonstrates the heart of Jesus, who, when he described his own heart, said, I am gentle and humble in heart, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus is gentle toward us. It's no wonder then that we should never be without gentleness when we share our faith and our hope with others. If we allow circumstance and anxiety to dominate us, gentleness is not what others are going to experience. But when we take care of our own hearts, we can love others well. Our inward joy has an outward impact. Our peaceful joy in the Lord should spill over into gentleness that others can see. Ask the Holy Spirit to help grow in you the fruit of gentleness as you rejoice. So how can we let our gentleness be evident to all when we are so frequently anxious? We need to do what Paul says next in verse 6. We need to pray with thanksgiving in everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do not be anxious. That's easy to say, but it's really not easy to do, is it? How do we follow this instruction when there's just so much stuff we can worry about? Paul says, but in everything, pray. He's telling us to take every anxious thought to God in prayer. Now, I know this really well, especially this week. I've been very anxious. Anything to do with standing at the front of church makes me really, really anxious. And so every thought that has come this way this week, every worry thought, I've had to catch it and take it and give it to God and say, Jesus, this is for you to carry, not me. I cannot keep worrying. And they keep coming, don't they, worrying thoughts? They keep on coming and I've got to keep giving them to God and shape them into prayers. And what I've done is I've taken up that double-edged sword And I have said, no, God, this is who you are and this is who you say I am and declaring those truths about about who he is and who God says we is. Scripture is a powerful weapon. And I've been using it this week because I've been anxious. And and I'm here this morning, so praise God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the, The message version puts it like this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. Are you choosing to invite Jesus into the centre of your thought life? He longs to bring his presence and his peace to you too. Do you know what Jesus' desire is for your heart? Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 14, 27. Jesus knows that we're often afraid. It says so many times in the Bible, doesn't it? Do not be afraid. Do not worry. (laughs) He knows that we have hearts that are prone to, to, to being troubled, but he doesn't want us to have troubled hearts. He desires for us to have peaceful hearts. Because although we concern ourselves with these temporary struggles, he's offering a permanent solution which is his peace. He's not promising us a trouble-free life now, but he's promising us his Holy Spirit to be with us and his peace to be with us on earth now and into eternity. Let's not uh, 
Yeah, sorry, skipped a bit there. Yeah, Corrie Ten Boom wrote about worry. She said that worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Let's not lose out on today's strength because we're so worried and so fixated on our worry. Surrender your worries. Keep on doing that thing of giving your worries back to God every day, every hour, if you have to. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Psalm 55, 22. Cast all your worries upon him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. And Paul says to do all that with thanksgiving. It's tremendously helpful. So many studies have shown how helpful it is to our mental health to practice thanksgiving. And it's a springboard to rejoicing. It lifts us beyond ourselves and into God's presence and peace. When writing about how to best care for our inner lives, John Ortberg explains that our soul needs gratitude and it's a practice that we should be continually doing. He says, gratitude does not always come naturally. You will not always feel grateful. But you can take the time each day to remember the benefits you received, see your benefactor, and thank him for his benefits. As we remember God's faithfulness and thank God for what he's already done, it produces faith in us to trust him with the things that we're anxious about now. Start with the little things if you don't know where to start. Thank you, God, for the air in my lungs. Thank you for the roof over my head. If you don't know what to say, start small. Start with the things that you can thank God for. And don't struggle alone. Surround yourself with people who will speak truth and life into your situation. Because we're made to be in relationship as church, doing this together. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. You know, if one part suffers, every part suffers with us, with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. If you're struggling, find someone to be honest with. Ask for help when you need the support of others to stand with you and pray with you. Get along to a midweek small group. Put yourself in a position where you can be seen and heard and supported, or maybe to be a support to others. Practice praying in everything with thanksgiving. So those are Paul's three points. Um, that he says in those couple of verses, if we want to live a life of joyful peace, to know the God of peace with us, choose to rejoice always. Choose to show and practice your gentleness and pray with thanksgiving. Keep the conversation open with Jesus. Keep the conversation going and handing over your worries and thank in everything. I'd love to pray for us all now. And I don't know if the band, do you want to come up? And I'd pray for you. Now, maybe this morning, your heart feels really far from being peaceful and you'd like to take a step toward Jesus this morning that perhaps you've not taken before. I just want to let you know that there is no situation, there is nothing too messy, no circumstance too ugly for Jesus to come into your situation with his peace if you invite him. Whatever is going on in your life right now, invite Jesus. And maybe like me, you've been walking with God for a long time. And you just need that reminder this morning to come back to Jesus. A reminder of the power of choosing rejoicing and gratitude. A reminder to keep on handing back those anxious thoughts. To seek first God's kingdom. Because we get so distracted. We're so prone to worry. Maybe you need to lay down what's burdening your heart and mind again now. Let's pray. Do you want to stand with me? I find that... 
putting my hands out really helps me in that position of surrender and also openness to what God wants to do and the good gifts that he wants to give us. Holy God, you are worthy of our praise. You are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. And you are peace, Prince of peace. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we recognize our weakness and we say we need you. We invite you to come into our lives this morning. Whether that's the first or the thousandth time that we're asking, thank you that you welcome us always and that your desire is to give us peaceful hearts. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't turn to you first. We turn to you now. We choose to bring you those things that trouble us. We hand over the circumstances, the anxieties and the fears that we have to you again. Thank you that you don't leave us on our own, but that you give us your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Help us to demonstrate your gentleness to others. Would those around us experience the evidence of your nearness through our words and our actions this week? Would you help us to put into practice these things that Paul's teaching? That whatever the circumstances we face now or tomorrow, that we would be a joyful people of peace who are known for our praise. Amen.